Welcome to Data Brunch with ICPSR. If you love data, this is going to be food for thought. I'm Dory. And I'm Anna. We're recording these episodes live from our remote offices. So please excuse cameos from canine colleagues, kids in class, and other unexpected moments. Tori, today is Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo. (laughs) Happy Cinco de Mayo, Anna. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You've had you've had quite a week. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just back in from a camping trip where we had all four seasons and uh, four days in Michigan. Oh, that's and, Michigan for you. And like my friend Omari says, get yourself someone who refuses to let you go the same way winter refuses to let Michigan go. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 that's correct. Yeah, and also I'm also celebrating uh, me and Dharma. Shout out to Dharma at ICPSR who both got our second vaccinations on the same day. And so we're also celebrating being fully vaccinated. Ah! Happy vaccination day. That's so exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It, it, it feels good. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a whole new feeling in the world as things are starting to open up and as, you know, restrictions are starting to ease Definitely mm-hmm. recognizing that, you know, there's a long way for us to go, but wow, that mm-hmm. is very, very exciting. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, um, <laughs> in one of those moments where you go, oh, yay. And then oh, uh, I want to talk about data um, and current events. And since we were last here, there has been developing news about Dante Wright, who was killed by a police officer during a traffic stop in a Minneapolis suburb. And this is coming after the deaths of Sandra Bland and Philando Castile and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And if you're thinking that this is just a mess, and that's not the phrase that I was using here in my inner monologue, um, we need you to use these data to make a change. We have data and this, this can help. So please take this information and make the world a better place. We have 852 variables that reference police from our civic learning, engagement, and action data sharing archive. Um, And if you're wondering what a variable is, I think of a variable as the thing that is being measured or the question that's being asked. So a variable might be something like, what is your eye color? Um, An example of the variables in these civic engagement data, the variable here might be Some people are never afraid to take a public stand on controversial issues, while others are concerned that they may get into troubles with the authorities, maybe the police, social authorities, or an office that deals with housing. How worried are you that you might get into trouble with the authorities if you took a public stand on a controversial issue? So that whole phrase, that's one of the variables. And there's 852 of those. There's a lot of data. Um... So we also have studies related to police use of force from the National Archive of Criminal Justice data. We have the Los Angeles County Social Survey, um, which is a a study that was conducted in Los Angeles at the time of the 1992 civil uprising. We have a study of sworn non-federal law enforcement officers that were uh, arrested in the United States. Um, We have police psychology in controlling excessive force in 50 large cities in the United States, Um, police use of force in citizen complaints and legal consequences. 
there is so much. Um, and we have loads of new data that's just come out, including um, body cameras worn by police in Los Angeles, the effects of um, marijuana legalization on law enforcement and crime in Washington. So there is a ton of police-related data. Please take a look at that. Um, there is there is so much that is available here. Um, we also, we always like to share what new data is available. So um, we are known for a lot of things. And one of those things is being a data resource for people who need data for your papers and for research. And if you're a journalist, you could use these data for your articles. Um, so we wanted to tell you there's a new addition to our National Crime Victimization Survey. Um, the Identity Theft Supplement is just what it sounds like. It looks at how the victim's personal information was obtained and the impact on the victims, so physical, emotional, financial, um, who is stealing that identity information, and what people are doing to avoid becoming an identity theft victim. Um, this is particularly interesting because this week is World Password Day. So some of these data include information about passwords and how people change them or don't. Um, and then also this looks at how people report identity theft to the police and how often identity theft is happening just in general. Um, I wanted to mention this because I have been through some identity theft and it's awful. Um, and we wanted to say thank you to all of the survey participants who are helping us understand this better. Yes, thank you. It's really important. If you have ever been asked to be part of a survey, please, we, we encourage you to say yes to that because it's a great opportunity to share um, information that can help others. All right, Zori, I'm going to pass it over to you. Thank you. Let's go. and welcome back to Data Brunch. Today we have Ryan McClay, who is a research associate at the University of Michigan Institute for Social Research. Ryan studies how cruise ships bring tourism and other economic impacts to women in third world countries, and also uh, has a working paper titled, Cruising Through School, General Equilibrium Effects of Cruise Ship Arrivals on Employment and education. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. Glad to be here. At Data Brunch, we love to hear the stories behind the data. Can you tell us about what makes your research such a great story? Yeah, I would love to. So in a lot of economic research that you'll hear in the news, it usually deals with, say, the stock market or finances and firms or say monetary policy, like the change in inflation rate, or how the Fed uh, will give out more money through a stimulus uh, through the federal government. In this other side of economic research, there's a lot of us who are looking at, say, applied development economics. So looking at what is happening with the economies of developing worlds, but specifically what's happening with those individuals. So I think what is an interesting narrative with this paper specifically is that we're looking at women over kind of a seven year period where we're looking at how their lives are changing as the result of essentially international trade from cruise ships arriving into their ports. And so something as, you know, innocuous as a tourist showing up and spending money, how might that change or improve or deteriorate the lives of 
an individual uh, that lives in that society. As you're talking, so I'm thinking about the last cruise that I went on, and um, I believe it might have been Carnival. And um, so the cruise companies have these planned excursions for their uh, for the participants to go on. And one thing that I always wonder about is, I'm like, where is you know, how do I get in the community? And um, actually, how do I get a more authentic visit uh, or or connection to the place that I'm at? So uh, it's really fascinating uh, your research, how you really talk about how these how these vacations can impact lives. So thank you. As tourists ourselves, how can we be more thoughtful about how we spend money on our cruises or other travel? You can be assured that as a tourist, there are pros and cons to travel, right? And they are outside of your control. Much of it you do not have agency over. And so as a result, there are inequalities that are being exasperated, but those are issues from the multinational corporations who are determining the market structure for your relationship to those communities. And it's not so much you. You entering into a community and spending money there is, if anything, a benefit to that community. Are you studying yet, or, and it's okay if it's too early uh, in your research to answer this, but are you studying yet or looking at how the pandemic may have affected areas reliant on tourism and cruises? So the short answer is no. And the short answer to that is my research currently is looking at information that was collected through 2019. So right before the pandemic starts. And so as a result, I don't really get to see the -hmm. impact after it. I, of course, can update this information um, on my side from the data, but it is very intensive to update the data. Uh, It's a lot of collection of GPS locations about 30-minute intervals on 517 ships over roughly seven years. So what you're looking at here is about 10.6 million observations of individual ships moving over time. And as a result, to add in just even, say, one more year is quite intensive. You know, um, what I'm doing is I'm taking those ship observations and I'm saying, okay, I know the geolocation of the center of a city in, say, a developing country, and I'm going to create this caliper, some sort of, you know, radius around that city. And whenever that GPS location of the ship enters into my radius, then I'm going to count you in the city. And that's a visit by the ship. Um, That's my measure of intensity. I would like to say, in response to that, I think the pandemic has acutely affected the service industry tourism will be severely hit by the pandemic. And I do not expect that the recovery will be quick in developing countries specifically. I think it will take a long time for the jobs that are lost to come back. Let us go back to um, to your paper that we mentioned earlier. And can you talk about the female empowerment narrative that is at the heart of your paper? Certainly. So I think what is most exciting about this paper is it, it, it looks specifically at the impact that tourism has on women in these port cities. Now, the evident question here is the most obvious question 
is why look at women? And the thing is that in kind of the economic theory, women have traditionally been kind of differentially attached to the service sector. And so as a result, if we see changes in tourism, we should be seeing changes in the service sector. And specifically, if there was going to be gains made, it would be by women in these developing countries. So what's very interesting, I think, from this female empowerment perspective of this, the female empowerment narrative of this paper is that there's two main outcomes that you see. The first is that when we look at labor, women overall are seven percentage points more likely to have a job than otherwise. Therefore, what we're saying here is that that is a non-trivial increase in the likelihood that a woman is to be employed. And let's consider that in developing countries, many of these women are working in unpaid labor. So either taking care of the household or working in the field uh, with their crops or working as, say, kind of a day laborer in an unofficial capacity in a variety of things. So getting paid labor in an official capacity is huge. The second is that we also see that women overall are getting about a third of a year's more education. At first, you may think, you know, a third of a year, that's not even a whole grade. But when you look at the education literature, that's quite a lot, actually. Um, getting a third of a year's education on aggregate is really important, and it makes a huge kind of demographic transition in the country. Um, when I say demographic transition, I'm talking about the way that an entire economy will shift over time as different demographies change over time. So one of the interesting, I think, perspectives on the paper that I'm presenting is that it is older women, not younger women, so women over the age of 30, who are actually gaining the jobs. So why are they gaining the jobs? It's because they are in a position where they have already the market skills where they can match with employers, whereas younger women are not taking jobs. They're actually effectively less likely to get jobs at a younger age. And that's something we would actually like to see. And why? Because they're staying in school longer. So these younger women are staying in school longer. And I believe that this is kind of showing that they are trying to match for higher skilled labor. And I think that that is the really interesting thing here is that not only women today, but also you should expect then women tomorrow to benefit from the tourist who comes today. That's, I think, a very interesting and, and kind of uplifting story that you don't often hear with the cruise ship industry. Um, not to promote all the atrocities and kind of awful, awful way that cruise ships have exploited their, their power over people. But I would say more generally, tourism isn't as bad as it's often given off. How can listeners find out more about this or contact you? Yeah, this research is published on my website. Additionally, uh, I work at the University of Michigan. So my email address is public information. And you can contact me whenever you would like to discuss this. I would be more than happy to improve on this research. Or if you had, say, comments that you think that I didn't account for something, I would love to hear it. Um, you know, anything to improve my work, I would love. Um, so I welcome any criticism. What is your favorite brunch? So I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. And there is this 
restaurant called uh, Squires, uh, right next to Lafayette Square. They have this little skillet of like eggs and pepper and uh, potatoes. And it's, it's, it's a great little skillet. And it's perfect size if you have a hangover from a Saturday night. You get that. And then they have bottomless mimosas for three hours. And you have multiple different ones. So they got like grape juice, apple juice, orange juice, cranberry juice. And you and they have it up there so you don't order it. You go up. They fill you up with a little bit of mimosa. You go up and you can mix and match as you choose. They got little bacon. They got our gummy bears. It is the best brunch place I've ever been to in my life. Um, and I'm happy to promote it on the, on the web. Awesome. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ryan. Um, wow, that was fascinating. I had no idea that there was so much going on with cruise ships and tourism. And that's, that is a whole new world for me. I can't wait to dig into that. Um, so if you are listening to this episode at a later date, I'm going to mention some um, open jobs and some upcoming events. You can always find out what our open jobs are and our upcoming events by um, checking out our website, which is icpsr.umich, as in University of Michigan, .edu. So we are growing. Um, we are hiring several current positions. Those include a senior DevOps engineer, a full-stack software engineer, a senior full-stack software engineer, and a digital product designer. Um, and our summer program has begun. Oh, my goodness. Um, registration. I know. I'm so excited. It, it, it deserves applause and confetti and bubbles. Um, it's, it's a good time over here at ICPSR. We love our summer program. Um, registration is still open for most of the courses, so get in there quickly. Um, and then for anyone who will be at iAssist, we'll be there too. This is the conference of the International Association for Social Science Information Service and Technology. And we'll be presenting on self-publishing platforms and also on a presentation called Documenting Variable Comparability with the DDI Lifecycle. So that's about metadata. Um, and we also do have several webinars coming up of our own. So we will be talking about arts research on May 19th. Um, also on May 19th, we have a webinar about childcare research. And there's also a workshop on data um, regarding STEM in education. And that's coming up on May 20th. And all of those are free. So you can find links to those on our website. Thank you, Anna. This brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you everyone for being with us. Dory, I can't believe we're almost at the end of our first season. I, it's amazing to me. So um, mm -hmm. join us for uh, the, the next couple of episodes that are coming out. So um, there are two more coming out in this season. Um, we will be talking to a renowned author and professor and all-around expert who will be helping us understand the link between stress and health and especially coming out of COVID. Um, and we will also be talking about college and beyond and liberal arts education. So there's lots coming up in these last two episodes. So yes, it's been quite the adventure at these data brunches with you and Scott and all of the guests. So Oh, Thank you, Scott. everyone. <laughs> Shout out to Scott, yes. our behind-the-scenes producer extraordinaire. 
We would be nothing without Scott. We'd be nothing without Scott. That's the truth. <laughs> so thank you so much. And if you aren't already, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we do want to say thank you, of course, to our ICPSR members. This podcast would not be possible without the ICPSR membership. Yes, thank you, ICPSR members. And you can get in touch with us by visiting our website, icpsr.umich.edu, or emailing us at icpsr-podcast at umich.edu. I'm Dory. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) We've come full circle now. (laughs) Scott was waiting for his like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, I can't believe I did that. Okay. <laughs> See, now you know how it feels. Ah, <laughs> uh, if you haven't been with us before, Dory did that on our first episode, and now I'm doing it, and it's just, that is just priceless. I can't believe it. I am Anna, and I am Dory, and thank you for joining us at ICPSR's Data Brunch.